0: Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. Hey, Ellen, if you'll come in. Our young brothers and sisters can go downstairs if they would like for uh, the kids program. Let's see if I can get this technology to work when I need it to work. So I want to welcome everybody here today, and I want to just uh, welcome our, our guests as well. Thank you for coming, and this is going to be a little bit different uh, this morning, um, and this is, and there's been a, it looks like a couple of us have had firsts today, and today is a first for me to be up uh, teaching in front of a congregation, at least at, and in this Aspect. I've I've been up before a few times, but never preached. So um, it's going to be a little bit different, and I'm going to need some of your some interaction from you. Um, so um, before I start, I have a few questions, and I'm going to have my beautiful assistant come up here to help me out. And uh, i like to say I'm deaf in one ear, can't hear out of the other. So you're going to have to be quite loud. Uh, to help answer these questions and my assistant has something for you so let's get started here so first question where are rulers usually born Olivia Is that where uh, Trump was born where where are they usually born Let's have somebody else answer. Where are rulers usually born? Hospital. In a hospital. OK. And where else? What other details? Are they born maybe if, if, they're, like, if they're like a, a king, like, like maybe um, one of the princes of England that might be born actually in the palace, right? Um, how about uh, maybe in a capital city or a big city? Because you know, you know, London is pretty big, and in the United States it's a little bit different how we get our, our people that are, are uh, "quote unquote" ruling us. But uh, often in in a capital or a big city, in Israel, where should this be? Not where was it for our king, but where should it be? Jerusalem, very good. No, you can yell it out. Go on, go ahead. She did. It should be in Jerusalem, or maybe in another big city. Um, uh, J- Jerusalem was where the, the rulers of, of Israel lived. Um, it actually is very interesting that uh, Jerusalem was called the uh, city of David uh, in the Old Testament. But uh, later on in the New Testament, and, and Luke, it's called a uh, little tiny town called Bethlehem. <laughs> ended up being called the City of David. But uh. okay, next question: What kind of family are these people born into? They're they're not trick questions, okay? Wealthy, wealthy often wealthy. Yes. Go on, you can go. I can I don't know. Right there. Yeah, these masks are hard to. <laughs> Hard to see around, um so maybe raise your hand too as you yell it out um uh, so wealthy family um what other kinds of families maybe mother other details yes um, someone like a king Larry yeah well that but where where would today if if there was a king that uh was born or, or a prince that was born, what kind of family would they come from? Royalty. Royalty. Raise your hand wherever that was. Way back there. Mr. Jesse. Okay, maybe even from a family of warriors or something like that. Um, so, however, the greatest ruler we will ever have was born into such a different situation. This sermon will be in two parts, an extended introduction on some prophecy, and then a look at a few events and characteristics of Bethlehem that made it clear that this village was designed for our Savior. So let's pray. Father, I do thank you that uh, we can be here to worship you. And as we continue our worship by studying your word, I pray that our hearts will be open to the leading of your spirit. And uh, I just pray that uh, your name will be glorified through our time together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, out of Bethlehem, by the time we're done, I would like us to understand that out of Bethlehem comes our Redeemer as a humble servant to be the light of the world and to provide us life. So, my assistant, I need you again now that you're all settled back. Remember I said twice we're going to do this. So, can anyone tell me anything about Bethlehem? Where was Bethlehem? Yes, the city of Israel. it's in the country of Israel. Good job, Bolivia. We'll we'll give you that one for sure. So, in the country of Israel, uh, any other details of where Bethlehem was? Judea. In Judea, yes. So, in the in the uh, province or the uh, the area of Judea. Anywhere else? Any other details? Um, It was about six miles south, southwest of Jerusalem and from the temple. And it actually sits on a hill. And that will be important in a little bit here. Um, How big was it in the time of Jesus' birth? Any guesses? This is more of a tricky question, but any guesses? Okay. Pardon? 500. 500, that's pretty close. So, Mr. Jesse, he can share. Um, It's about, probably around 300, maybe. Um, It's about half half the size of Leesburg, Indiana, which actually is pretty close to 500. So it was smaller than Leesburg, even. So it was small. And where in the Bible was Bethlehem first mentioned? My kids don't count because they've heard this story. I was going to put up a disclaimer to say, you know, the, like on the sweepstakes and stuff, you know, family can't participate. I was going to put that up there. but um, Where's the first mention of Bethlehem? In Genesis chapter 35... Jacob buried Rachel after she gave birth to Benjamin just outside of the city of the village of Bethlehem. So that's the first mention of, of Bethlehem. And uh, who were some of the notable people and events from Bethlehem? Okay, Olivia. Moses was not from Bethlehem. Moses was born in uh, Egypt, remember? Okay, anybody else? Any, I mean, yes, David, way at the back, Miss Mary. David was born in Bethlehem, and he's known for that. There's there's another notable event that happened in Bethlehem. Okay, remember this lady named Naomi? She was from Bethlehem. Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem and Ruth married Boaz. And then King David uh, was uh, the great-grandson great, the great of, of, the, of, of uh, Boaz. So there's really not much going on in Bethlehem. So, Megan, you can go sit down. Thank you. Okay, even though... In the doctrine of typology, we normally consider events, persons, or statements in the Old Testament as reflections or symbols of Christ. I believe that even places can be considered. Bethlehem is one of these. And let us start our journey at Micah 5, starting in verse 2. says, Michael 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, f- from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, is telling Israel that there's a big event coming. His prophecies are mainly directed towards Jerusalem and its destruction. However, he provided this encouragement that a ruler would come and be the shepherd of Israel. He would come from a little town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was just a little ways away from Jerusalem and it was small. It was so small that it was not considered to be counted as a clan or one of the possessions of Judah. However, this ruler coming not from Jerusalem, but little Bethlehem will be different. In verse two, we find that the ruler will be for me. Who is this me? Who is talking here? If we look back at the middle of chapter four in verse six, we see this dialogue start with the Lord or Yahweh, Declares. So the person, this person that's coming, um, he will be totally all for God. This ruler is from old and indicates that this ruler existed before this prophecy happened. He comes forth from Bethlehem as Isaiah. Micah's contemporary foretold in Isaiah 9, 6, as a child, Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. But he, com- but he comes forth from old, from ancient days. Some translations say from everlasting or from days of eternity. So he has already been around for a long time. And this was a re- well-planned event Last week, we saw that God had already planned for the seed of the woman to come and bruise Satan's head in Genesis 3. Then, in 1 Peter 1, particularly in verses 19 and 20, we see Christ's sacrifice was planned before the foundation of the world. A man, being here since eternity, becomes a baby in a little town called Bethlehem. We see this fulfilled in Matthew 1 and Luke 2. And just to clarify this fulfillment, Matthew shares an event with us in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. We see some wise men come to Jerusalem, the capital, to find a ruler. The king of the Jews and the religious leaders knew right away where the Christ was going to be born. And in verse six, I quote Micah two. It says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. So they paraphrase what Micah had told years, hundreds of years before. But why Bethlehem? God created a little town in Judah to be the perfect place for his son to be born. I want to share a few of many attributes and events of Bethlehem that point to Christ. So remember Boaz, who lived in Bethlehem and became the great-grandfather of David, and his wife Ruth, a Moabite woman who was married who originally was married to one of Boaz's relatives. Her husband, Malon, died in Moab. So had his father, Amamelech, and his brother. Ruth would not leave her mother-in-law, Naomi, alone, so they traveled and returned to Bethlehem together. Again, this was preparing for the prophecies to be fulfilled. How was this young lady and her mother-in-law going to survive on their own? They needed a redeemer. Someone to save, to rescue them. Not only that, there was property at stake as well that belonged to Naomi's husband and sons that she, to know Naomi's husbands and, and, the, and the sons that she could not, and her sons, but she didn't have any sons. And she could not get those back, get, get that back on her own. Leviticus 25 discussed how the land was to be redeemed, and then Deuteronomy provides rules on how relatives must redeem the widow. The closest relative was to pay any debt on the land to take ownership and marry the widow of the deceased to have children, and they, these children, would inherit the land of the mother's first husband. Thus, the family line and ownership would continue. A close, closer relative was interested in redeeming the land, but when he found out that Ruth, the Moabite, had to be redeemed too, he was not interested. Why? Why was this? Moabites were despised by the Jews and were some of the few nations that the Jews were to have nothing to do with. Ruth was a total outcast. However, Boaz was a godly man and wanted to do what was right, He married Ruth, and she bore a son named Obed, who would inherit Amemelech's property. Boaz rescued Ruth and purchased back the land of Amemelech. And we can see this process in Ruth chapter 4. We too are despised because of our sin. We cannot come to God. Like Ruth, we cannot save ourselves. We need rescued. We need a Redeemer. In Acts 4.12, referring to Christ, Peter says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans chapter 5 clearly shows that we were not able to save ourselves. In fact, we were enemies of God, but Christ loved us and shed his blood for us. Boaz was not the only redeemer from Bethlehem. Christ, our ultimate redeemer, our ultimate redeemer from Bethlehem, rescued us. And just before Christ arrives as a baby in Bethlehem, we hear Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, worship and say in Luke 1, 68 and 69, blessed be the God, the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Though we have seen some excitement and a representation of Christ in Boaz, in the town of Bethlehem, Bethlehem was not much of a place. And even Micah says of Bethlehem, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. It was little. Uh, Bethlehem was so small that it was not even counted or mentioned when the land was divided up among the tribes of Israel. This little village does not show up in any town listing in the Old Testament. It was small and maybe 300 people lived there at the time of Christ's birth. It was very humble, a very humble, very quiet place. Even with its association with Ruth and King David, Bethlehem was not great. Tourism did not even increase enough to grow the town. But this is great what God does. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what was low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. That, things that are. Um, so he, I mean, but Jerusalem was, should have been the place uh, for a savior. Or maybe one of the other great cities mentioned in the Old Testament. But out of a small, humble village came a humble servant. Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13, and even through chapter 53, prophesy of Jesus coming as a servant and suffering for us. As we saw a few weeks ago in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, this also shows that Christ humbled himself and became a servant. I have this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of the men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, equal with God and ruler of the universe, came to earth as a baby, not in Jerusalem, the capital and location of the temple, where the people worshiped God, but in an insignificant village in man's eyes called Bethlehem. Another interesting thing about Bethlehem is its name. It is made up of two words. Hebrew is read from right to left, so the first word is Beth, which means house, like in Bethel, which is house of God. The second word is Lehem, which means bread. So Bethlehem is a house of bread. But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel. This house of bread gave forth the bread of life. In John six and parallel passages and in other gospels, Jesus had spent the day healing, teaching, and he had a hungry and needy crowd in his hands. Here we see Jesus using five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men and not including, not counting the women and children. The people wanted to make him king, so he went up into the mountains to get away from the mob. The next day, they come and they find him, find him in Capernaum, and their desire is the physical bread. They talk about the manna that was given to the, in the wilderness. But then Jesus says, starting in verse 32 of John chapter 6, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us such bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. In him life, and in him is life. And this is reinforced in John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is this life? Let's just go back to Genesis real quick. In Genesis two seventeen. after God had told Adam that he could eat from anything in the garden, he said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Sadly, Adam and Eve ate from that tree the very next chapter and they were separated from God and in a spiritual state of death. And not just them, but all of us. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, justice through one man, sin entered into the world. That one man was Adam. And death through him through sin. So death spread to all mankind because all have sinned. So all humans are spiritually dead and humanity is heading in an heading to an eternal judgment. But Jesus is the bread of life. So what is this life? John 5:24 tells us that this life is eternal, not temporal. This life saves those who believe from judgment. And according to John 10:10, 10, 10, This is an abundant life. This is a fully, uh, is fully sufficient and overflowing life. It is an eternal protected life, according to John 10, 28. No one, not even me, can take me away from God and from Christ. This life keeps us from judgment and lets us live forever with Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1 4 and 5. He did this to be the light of the world and to ultimately provide us life for his glory. This brings us to another attribute of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a little village, but it is situated on a high hill with a great view of the surrounding area. Imagine walking or riding a donkey four or five days as you travel 100 miles from Nazareth to Galilee. And possibly by the time you were nearing Bethlehem, it was getting dark. How refreshing to come around a corner in the valley and see the lamps and the fires of Bethlehem on the cool fall evening. Bethlehem was a light on a hill to the surrounding area of Israel. The little baby was born in Bethlehem during the census of Caesar Augustus. Even on that night, there was a great light in Luke 2.9. And we sang about that a few times. The glory of God shone as the angel shared with the shepherds that the Savior was born in Bethlehem. Then later on in Matthew 2, another light, a star led the Magi to Bethlehem. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9-2 prophesies, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Who or what is this light? A few verses further down in verse 6, it says... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This little village was a light on a hill that would bring forth the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. But we'll have the light of life, John 8, 12. Then in John 9, 5, while I am the world, I am the light of the world. And the apostle Paul consistently refers to Jesus as the light. This light is the light that changes us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This light clearly makes us different people. And now if we go to Matthew chapter 5, we see in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, put it, put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We cannot walk in darkness, but we become a reflection of him and a light. And as I studied this, I realized that this little town was not just a place that was selected for Jesus Christ to be born, but that Bethlehem was planned and designed for our Savior and that the ruler of the universe was to come into the world. Out of Bethlehem came our Redeemer as a humble servant to be the light of the world and to provide us life. Now we must go out and be a light to the world, as Christ was the light. Let us pray. If you're interested in more information about our church, or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.